Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. I can enjoy a good zombie gore fest every now and then, but what I'm really looking for are unique takes on the genre. A bloodbath backed up by brains, so to speak. I can enjoy the emotional investment of Train to Busan or the social commentary of Blood Quantum, hell, even the Aussie absurdity of Wormwood, Road of the Dead, but the zombie films that really stick with me are the ones that capture the terror of the characters living through the outbreak. One of my favorite zombie films, 28 Days Later, being the prime example of this. Danny Boyle expertly captures the melancholy nature of the survivors and impresses upon the viewer that surviving the initial outbreak isn't really the hard part. Today's review of the 2008 Canadian horror film Pontypool is similar in that it captures the true terror of an outbreak without showing us the actual carnage unfolding as a result of it. Currently streaming on video on demand on iTunes and free on YouTube, Pontypool is directed by Bruce McDonald with the screenplay written by Tony Burgess, who also penned the book that the film is adapted from. Pontypool is a truly original blending of the zombie genre with single location psychological horror. The audience is introduced to veteran disc jockey Grant Mazzy, played by Stephen McCady, who's struggling to retain his small-town Canadian radio show audience. Day in and day out, he shows up to his radio station residing within the basement of a church, affectionately referred to as the Dungeon. His days begin routinely enough by pouring a stiff Irish coffee, diving into the local reports. Early on, there's a sense that Mazzy is on his way out of the DJ business, and as a result, puts him at odds with his producer, Sidney, played by Lisa Huell. His urge to retain viewership leads to him sensationalizing stories with little regard for backlash or angering his audience. But how does Mazzy sensationalize a story he cannot explain? Suddenly, a news bulletin comes through about a violent mob of people rioting through Pontypool. The mob continues to grow and grow, becoming not only violent, but shaky reports of them eating and dismembering those who they attack. The mob moves in waves, people climbing over one another, swamping vehicles and roads. This is the psychological terror of Pontypool's single-location storytelling. We experience the entire film from inside Mazzy's basement recording studio. We never see the destruction unfolding within the streets of Pontypool, only loose second-hand accounts from reports from the outside world. And as we all know, seeing is believing. The flurry of conflicting and unsubstantiated reports Mazzy and the viewer are given causes paranoia and tension to set in early on. Mazzy begins to question everything, as does the viewer. Could this be the station's producer and co-producer playing a prank on this old and beleaguered DJ? Or is this really something unexplainable unfolding outside the walls of their studio? The eerie mood and tension is absolutely chilling, given the unreliable but highly detailed nature of the information that trickles in. Unsettling and frantic phone calls from eyewitnesses, but also in how the chilling, unknowable nature of events begin to rattle the radio station crew. This is conveyed not only in characters' ever-straining relationship, but in McDonald's subtle attention to detail. There are several lingering shots of an equalizer that shows the treble and pitch of a caller's voice as they relay their disturbing observations from the outside world. Instances such as this are a display of how McDonald creatively utilizes the film's single-location setting for effective mood. Some view single-location storytelling as restrictive, but films such as Pontypool perfectly display how they can allow a capable director to flourish within a micro-budget. Further complementing the film's budget-conscious sensibilities is the film's small cast of three, which forces the character's relationship to take center stage. This refined focus makes the tension palpable as characters begin to crack and attempt to disprove the reports they're receiving. I really can't undersell just how disturbing these various accounts of downtown carnage that Mazzy receives really are. 
It is far more effective listening to someone describe their observations of increasingly horrifying violence than simply showing the viewer a zombie ripping someone apart. We've really seen all that before, and Pontypool's restraint from taking a traditional route, whether conscious or due to its budget constraints, makes for a much stronger film. The twist Pontypool takes in further distancing itself from traditional zombie films is its portrayal of infection. Traditionally, zombie infections spread from bites as the victim's blood becomes infected. But in Pontypool, language is the means of transmission, particularly the English language. Somehow, specific words within the English language have become infectious, and if someone hears it, they will begin to repeat words over and over, and then become confused, mixing up their words, only before attacking people that they hear speaking. It sounds far-fetched on paper, and to be fair, it is. But this concept absolutely fits snugly within the film and its radio DJ protagonist. The idea that language is weaponized serves as a paranoia-inducing subplot, as characters must avoid some unknown words or all words together. Their fear of language results in their becoming almost as afraid of one another as they are of the hordes wandering the streets of Pontypool. Another side effect of the infected is that they echo words that they hear, which wouldn't seem scary, but the ways in which McDonald employ them is absolutely terrifying. Mazzy learns that from an eyewitness report that a horde was heard chanting a news broadcast that he gave earlier in the day, leading him to question the validity of the report. In another instance, someone shouts for Mazzy to look out moments before a horde descends onto him, and we hear the horde echoing that character's dialogue back at them. There's something about the mindless echoing that really unnerved me in a way that I wasn't expecting, and that ultimately made the film scary in a way that almost all zombie movies honestly just aren't. But, for as strong as the film's first hour is, the last act falls apart a bit. Our lasting survivors aren't quite able to sustain the lengthy back-and-forth narrative that's lacking the disturbing eyewitness phone calls and emails. This really speaks to the idea that Pontypool is the strongest when it forces the viewer to craft their own horrors based on the information they're told, rather than the full frontal horror presented to them. Furthermore, when we actually do see the infected, they don't inspire much actual fear, as it's business as usual in terms of your standard zombie movie. Which isn't to say that the last 30 minutes are bad necessarily, but they just pale in comparison to the stellar hour that preceded it. Pontypool is an easy recommendation to those who are looking for some originality in their zombie horror. A smart combination of character-driven, single-location horror that's about as terrifying of a depiction of a zombie outbreak as there could be. If you're a fan of zombie horror such as 28 Days Later, in films that take into consideration the human condition in the face of a zombie outbreak, this will be your cup of tea. But for those who are looking for a standard emphasis on action zombie carnage, this will probably not be for them. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.